Dawson, and this is Recap for episode 203 of Alohomora. Hey guys, Kristen here as well. And it's just the two of us today. Yep, just two, two lovely ladies on tonight. That's it. That's it. <laughs> uh, this little recap episode with these wonderful ladies is sponsored by Crystal Hoover on Patreon. Don't forget, you can become a sponsor for as little as $1 a month, and we will continue to release exclusive tidbits for our sponsors. So please go over and contribute. And we're going to just dive right into our recap comments. Last week, we talked about the end of Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. Got lots of great comments from all of you. Thank you so much. Remember, you can go read them all on our website at alohamara.mugglenet.com. But we picked out just a few. And the first one is from Phoenix, who says, Following the theory that Delphi isn't really Voldemort's daughter, there is more than one possibility why she was made to believe it. You all kept saying Rodolphus lied to her out of spite, but he also might have said it because he thought it was the best way to get her interested in Voldemort's legacy. Rodolphus seems to have been a devoted Death Eater in his own right, despite being overshadowed by his wife, so he may have wanted to get a young person interested in following Voldemort's ways. Another possibility is that he didn't lie at all, but believed it himself, possibly out of hurt feelings. There's no way he could have overlooked Bellatrix's fondness for Voldemort, so he might not have believed her when she truthfully told him the child was his. This actually, both of these, again, make a lot of sense. I, I like them. I thought it worked out, and I was like, huh, I'm going to put this in. I, I like these ideas. <laughs> I, I mean, I said it last week, but this is definitely my preferred theory, is that it was somehow Rodolphus lying or maybe even believing it himself. I actually do quite like that. Mm -hmm. um, or maybe trying to get Voldemort back somehow through her. Mm -hmm. We know he did that in, that's why he was in the trial in Goblet of Fire, was they went after the Longbottoms to try and get Voldemort back. Mm -hmm. So I think, I think that has a lot of merit. Yeah, definitely plausible. I think so. How do you feel about Delphi, Kristen? Um, uh, I mean, I, I don't know. It's weird. But to me, I, I mean, I could see Bellatrix, even if Rodolphus isn't a part of it or anything like that. I definitely could see her, you know, hooking up with Voldemort <laughs> just to, like, I know he doesn't really love anybody, but just to have somebody who has as much power as him and if he doesn't, you know, live on, but somebody to carry on like that legacy or something along those lines. Um, but she's, the kid is nuts. Um, yet again, but I mean, if those really are her parents, I mean, she was bound to be, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> she's definitely a very interesting character. Um, very, very much so. Um, I liked the little spin of it. I mean, again, you know my view. I loved Cursed Child. Uh, is it kind of weird? Yes, but uh, I could totally see it happening. I could totally see her being the spawn of them. <laughs> <laughs> the spawn of them. Okay. <laughs> Our next comment comes from that time Remus Wadawazid Volby who says, thanks so much, Rosie, for addressing my comment about Scorpius. It is helpful to know not only that he is a geek, but also specifically how he has proved to be one outside of the dialogue. Previously, the general gist that I had gotten from people has mainly been, he's such a wonderful nerd, squee! <laughs> and not much on how that is actually put across on stage. So thanks. 
I would agree with Michael, though, that the problem remains that sometimes he does know a bit more than he should as far as specificities. I still don't love a lot of his lines just because they strike me as really odd for anyone to say. Like, when have you ever heard someone use the term a quivering in normal conversation, particularly among teenage boys? However, my thoughts have evolved a bit now, and I can honestly see how they would work. If we do buy into Scorpius as this total bookish nerd without many friends, the idea that he would say things that seem a bit odd coming out of a kid's mouth actually fits. I can see it as a contributing factor in why he might be picked on, more so than just the nonsense rumors about his birth. There's almost a Luna-ish quality there, where other kids only see the weirdo and don't quite know what to make of this kid who's so different, so he becomes an object of ridicule. Poor Scorpius. Um, and I liked this comment... Uh, as well due to some of the kids I work with, uh, talk differently. And the, uh, I have one kid, uh, I used to call him Mr. Fancy, um, and he loved <laughs> dressing up in old time clothes and just talking the way they did way back in like the 1910 and 1920. But again, for the way he talked, you know, kids would pick on him and everything like that. So I kind of, it kind of brought me, like Scorpius, it kind of brought me back to, to that little kid, too, unfortunately, just from, like, the way he was talking and everything like that. But it does make kids different, and uh, it, it does happen. Uh, kids do talk differently sometimes in normal conversation. For And this kid's only 10 years old and was talking like he was from 1920. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and that's that's actually, I think it's it's been statistically proven, I think, that people who read more have larger vocabularies mm -hmm. and they tend to use those vocabularies. Um, especially I think because Scorpius is so comfortable and I mean, he's hanging out with his best friend all the time and I'm sure Albus is used to it by the time they're 14, if they've been friends mm -hmm. since they were 11. And so he just kind of is going to speak whatever's on his mind. And that means, I mean, funny words he's probably read somewhere. Um, yeah, he's, that's one of my favorite things about Scorpius is he is very much kind of the nerdy outsider. Um, and I think he's aware of that and that feeds into so how insecure he is, mm -hmm. especially at the beginning and that he's just so endearing because of that sweet little nerdy self. I know. I, I like him a lot too. Not my favorite, <laughs> but I like him. <laughs> yeah. And our last comment from today comes from, how am I going to translate this? Who says, you know, before you all decided to do four episodes on Cursed Child and dedicate two months of shows to it, I wasn't even sure if I wanted to read it. Instead of taking a break from the podcast and returning when other topics were on, I went and read it, and my reaction after my first read-through was kind of, why, Joe, why? A second read-through, five Alohomora episodes, and one and a half discussions in person later, the play is growing on me. I can appreciate the layers and small things, and what more is in there to find. Thank you all for taking the time and putting in the effort to take several looks at Cursed Child. I think it is really worth it. While it won't end up as my best love Potter text, it's a great experience to learn to love a piece of writing that seems hard to love at first. And we just want to say, we're glad that we could help you. Yes. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, I think this is, is a common thing. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of people have been really split on Cursed Child. It is very polarizing, but I think it's one of those things that as you dig deeper into it, you start to see the gems in it. You start to see more flaws in it and you kind of, it all kind of evens out mm -hmm. to become what it is. Yeah. 
I'm I'm one of the rare people who loved it the first time she read it because um, <laughs> I know all my friends are still they they don't like it at all um, and I do, or are very they're hesitant to even read it they they don't want to because they hear such bad things about it but I I still love it and I'm glad that you know us all discussing it and getting on the you know going on the website and talking with other fans about it. Um, that you did come to the conclusion that, yeah, it's not your favorite. I mean, it's not my favorite Potter text either, but they grow to uh, like it after hating it for the first time. <laughs> yeah. Cause like, I mean, I'm like you, I loved it and mm-hmm. I still overall love it. I mm-hmm. mean, I, it's got problems, Yeah, but I mean, I think it's almost like when we read order of the Phoenix, which has never been one of my favorites and always kind of annoyed me. Hmm. But after reading it and analyzing it a little bit more and getting other people's opinions, I Mm -hmm. definitely appreciate that book more um, than I did before. So I'm glad we can keep doing that because Mm -hmm. that's, that's always great. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's always good to, to get other people's opinions that help you open your mind more and see things in a new light. Definitely very much so. And that then means we are back onto our topic discussions. Unless, of course, Joe decides to release something else crazy and new soon. Um, that would be awesome. <laughs> till then, though, we're just we're going to keep diving into topics. Mm-hmm. And just one more quick reminder to check out our Patreon page. You can go to patreon.com slash alohamora and you can sponsor for as low as $1 a month. And our upcoming topic for our main episode this week, we're really excited about this one. We know a lot of you are too, is we're talking all about the women of Harry Potter. And we've got a lot of great thoughts to share with you about all of these incredible women that we got to know over these seven books and play Mm -hmm. and Pottermore. (laughs) (laughs) So we will talk to you then very soon. I'm Allison. I'm Kristen. Talk to you soon.